0: First Corinthians 15, three, Paul says, For I delivered to you of the same of the first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also, for I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Now, within this section, what we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks, within this section, there is, there is a, a creed that was one of the early statements of the church. This was within just a few years, maybe even months after the death and resurrection of the lord jesus christ the church is is growing and so they need something to hold on to they need to know what their doctrine is they need to know what they believe and so they're they're trying to get them get a hold of the apostles doctrine so they've developed these creeds and this is the early creed so they can understand the gospel what what was jesus all about so this is what they said christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. so today we want to talk about this third part he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures now there was a lot of talk about messiahs in first century israel but the one thing that everybody would have agreed on is that a dead messiah is not a Messiah at all. Think about what the disciples were going through on Friday night. We call it Good Friday now, but it wasn't Good Friday then. <laughs> because on that Friday, before the resurrection, all they knew was that Jesus was dead. We don't know, we don't have details of where they were hiding and if they spread apart or if they were all together but we know that they were hiding because all of their hopes and dreams about Jesus being the Messiah were crushed to them in this moment on Friday evening it was over it was it was done the the Jesus movement Jesus of Nazareth being the Messiah Was done because he was dead, and they had seen him put in a tomb. They knew he was dead, so they were without hope. And we get a little glimpse of this after the resurrection, but they don't know it yet. On the these two disciples that are on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter twenty four thirteen. And behold, two of them were going, and that very day to a village named Emmaus. So this kind of lets you know that they're in a state of defeat because they're leaving Jerusalem. Emmaus is away from Jerusalem. They're seven miles away from Jerusalem and they're headed towards the coast. They have, they have left. They are, they're disappointed. They've given up. And they were talking with each other about these things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. They couldn't tell it was him. And he said to them, What are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still looking sad. It's interesting, isn't it? They're sad. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to them, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty indeed, in deed and word, and in sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides. All of this, it's the third day since these things have happened. So the crucifixion of Jesus was, there's no other way to say it, but a death blow to the Jesus the Nazarene movement. Because on Good Friday, they all believed Jesus was dead. And the only person that they had seen raise the dead was dead. There was no hope. Because for to them... A crucified Messiah is a, is a contradiction of terms. So you can imagine what's going on. Are they weeping tears for their master? Are they, are they sad? I bet some of them are angry. They're disappointed. They feel like they've been lied to. They've been led astray. They can they look back and think, I, I just spent three years of my life i just gave up three years of my life to follow this guy for nothing for naught you see many jews had the same kind of hope they had the hope of resurrection they would have believed that at the end of days just like we would believe at the end of days that there's going to be the resurrection of the good and the bad And they got that from the Old Testament scriptures, Daniel chapter 12. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. These to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead the many to righteousness like the saints forever and ever. When Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus and he talked with Martha like we talked about last week, uh, Jesus said, Lazarus will live again. And Martha said, yeah, eventually. You know, you know, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, well, Lazarus will live again. Yeah, in the last day. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And this was the, the, the hope of many first century Jews. They're believing that there's this coming day of resolution, of victory, of where the dead are going to rise and spend eternity with God. But there's no expectation of an individual being raised from the dead. They're not expecting any certain individual to raise himself, certainly not even any Messiah. And during this time, this first century, first century Jerusalem, Uh, the expectation of a Messiah uh, had reached its boiling point. Many Jews were expecting the arrival of the Messiah or even multiple Messiahs. The Essenes, who are the ones who wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, you know, those Dead Sea Scrolls that were discovered in the caves and that, you know, just literally thousands and thousands of documents, the Essenes, who were in 100 years before Christ, 100 years BC, they believed and were expecting two messiahs. They were expecting a priestly messiah like Aaron and a kingly messiah like David. And in their mind, the kingly messiah would be this mighty warrior who would violently and completely remove the boot of the Roman Empire from Israel's neck. And rule over God's kingdom in Jerusalem. So they're looking for this emperor-like, this this Messiah, that's going to be like this, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger character, uh, this David King David, that he's going to come and he's going to crush the Romans. And that's probably what the disciples were all expecting. They're expecting a Messiah that is eventually. They keep thinking that eventually he's going to step. Into beyond just this spiritual role of, of <laughs> this this earthly kingdom, and he's going to establish he's going to establish this, this Jewish kingdom. Listen to what John, John, James and John said in Mark chapter ten. James and John, the, the two sons of Zebedee, Jesus called them the sons of thunder because they liked to argue. The two sons of Zebedee came up to jesus saying teacher we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you now that's an open-ended promise right your kids ever tried to pull that on you hey can i well what do you i don't know tell me you better give me the details your details first the answer is no until i know more right you're not going to just say yes teacher we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you and he said to them What do you want me to do for you and they said to him grant that we might sit one on your right and one on your left in your glory now when we read that when we read in your glory what do we think about we think about heaven but they're not talking about heaven they're talking about now they're saying lord we want to be in your glory when When you get into your kingdom, which we're hoping comes real soon, when you get into your kingdom, we want to sit on your right hand and on your left hand. They weren't thinking about heaven, they were thinking about now. It's possible that Judas actually might have betrayed Jesus in an effort to force his hand against Rome. In words, he was trying to get Jesus. To step into the kingly role and out of the priestly role that they had seen into the kingly role and if you read every time jesus said about that he was going to suffer it upset peter he was confused in mark chapter 8 verse 31 at the road you know in Caesarea philippi uh And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he was stating the matter plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing the disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest but man's. So Peter thinks, there's no, hey, wait, wait, You're, you're missing out what. I don't, Jesus, I don't think you understand what the Messiah is supposed to do. (laughs) He's trying to correct Jesus in his messianic role. Think about it. He's saying, Jesus, you know, you know, I, I know I'm just a fisherman, but you know, I've read about messiahs and you're not doing it right. This is not the way it's supposed to work out. You're supposed to take charge. You're supposed to be in control. Even John the Baptist, you think about John the Baptist may have had some expectations that were leading him to wonder if Jesus was the Messiah or not because he's in prison and he sends his disciples to ask Jesus. And when the men came to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, are you the expected one or do we look for someone else? At that that very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits and he gave sight to many who were blind, and he answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them." Jesus was doing all that was expected from the Messiah spiritually, but he had not stopped Rome physically, and then he was crucified. N.T. Wright says in his book, The Resurrection of the Son of God, the Messiah was supposed to win the decisive victory over the pagans, to rebuild or cleanse the temple, and in some way or other to bring true, God-given justice and peace to the whole world. What nobody expected the Messiah to do was die at the hands of pagans instead of defeating them. So Jesus died. And when every other Messianic pretender died, all of of the disciples, all dispersed. We know that between 40 B.C. and A.D. 135, there were at least a a dozen other people who claimed to be the Messiah. And when they died, all the people disappeared. Judas the Galilean in A.D. 6, the Samaritan in A.D. 36, Theodos in A.D. 45, Jesus the son of Anunus in A.D. 60, Manahem son of Judas A.D. 66, Simon bar Giora, A.D. 70, Simon Bar-Kobacha, Kochba, Kochba. something like that. Some claim to be prophets, others claim to be kings of the Messiah. Anytime anyone did this, they did just exactly what they did with Jesus because they hung, a, they hung a placard around Jesus' neck. What did it say? King of the Jews. They recognized that he was making... A, Rome was good at this. Rome would send an army. And they would crush them and execute them. Some they crucified. Some they beheaded. And when they did, every one of them, their followers disappeared And their movement came to an abrupt end, except for the followers of the Messiah, the Nazarene. In Acts chapter 5, we get a picture of this. So they've, they've been preaching the gospel. They've had the day of Pentecost. The church is growing. They're in trouble. They got in trouble with the authorities. And so they have them under trial, and we can see their intentions. And when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and intended to kill them because they're, he said, You know, y'all killed Jesus, and he's the Messiah. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up in the council and gave orders to put the men outside for a short time. And he said to the men of Israel, Take care what you propose, propose to do with these men for some time ago. Theodas rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men joined up with him, but he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee, rose up in the days of the census and drew away some people after him, he too perished, and all those who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it's of God, you will not be able to overthrow it, or else you may even be found fighting against God. Now, this was very he didn't recognize it, but this was very prophetic, wasn't it? So the Jesus of Nazareth movement continued despite Jesus' execution and did not disappear like all the others but, and for the next 280 years expanded and conquered the Roman Empire. Not with armies, not with po- politics, but with love and sacrifice. They actually overthrew the Roman government. So why did this Jesus movement continue when all others failed? When all the other messiahs who claimed to be messiahs failed, why did Jesus not fail? I think there are three things, three reasons. Number one, they were convinced that by scripture that Jesus' death on the cross was not a defeat but a victory. You see, before Jesus, you never saw the cross as a positive thing. There was no way to see the cross, death on a cross, in a positive light. But the church, they began to understand what it meant and what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Listen to what Jesus said to the two men on the road to Emmaus. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women also had said, but, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish men. You know why he's saying that? Because the women had seen it and are testifying of it, and they're not believing the women's testimony because they're women. They didn't believe that women could give legal testimony. And he's saying, You you goobers (laughs) and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary? For the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So they began, became convinced by the scriptures that Jesus did something on the cross. That the cross had a purpose, it wasn't just an instrument of death, but it was a place of victory. That God did something. That when Jesus died on the cross, that he was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They began to understand something, and it it fueled them. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene. A man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power." Peter's preaching this, this is just 50 days after the crucifixion. This is 10 days after his ascension. This is the day of Pentecost, and he's convinced by scripture that Jesus' death on the cross is not a defeat, but it is a victory, and that he, through his death, has defeated sin and death, and through his resurrection has defeated death. So they see it totally different. Secondly, they were convinced that really, Jesus was really, really, really raised from the dead. They're convinced. And as they approached the village where they were going, and he, and he acted as though he was going further, but they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it's getting toward evening, and the day is nearly over. So we went in to stay with them, and when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, And they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were our hearts not burning with us? While he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us, and they got up the very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. So so not only did they believe that Jesus accomplished something on the cross, they believed he was alive. Yes, they believed he had died. But they believed that what he had promised, what he had said, they began to understand the things that he had told them, the scriptures that he had tried to convey to them. Now, now, The Holy Spirit is teaching them. Jesus said to them, listen, it's better for me, it's better for you that I go away. He says, I'm going to send you another comforter. He's going to be in you and he's going to teach you everything concerning me. So they had an understanding of who Jesus was and what he accomplished. The Holy Spirit begins to begin revelation, all the things that Jesus said. Can you imagine? They're sitting around saying, Do you do you remember when Jesus said, when Jesus said he was gonna rise again? And we were like, huh? What do you, what do you like, hey, can I have some more fish? You know, it's like, it was just totally over their heads. But Jesus brought them revelation and truth, and they truly they believed it so much. We're going to talk about this more next week. But they believed it so much, they were willing to die for it. It was a truth that they carried to their grave. If, you know, if they had made it up, it wouldn't have endured. Number three, they were convinced that Jesus was unique because here's what was different about all the other Messiahs. They believed that Jesus was also God. 1 Corinthians 8:6, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom all things are all things, and we exist through him. Paul has taken the Shema. The Lord our God is one Lord, and he's expanded it. This, the Jewish Shema, he's taken the Shema, and he's expanded it and he's inserted Jesus into the Shema. There's one Lord. Here's what he says. You know, there's one Lord. Think about that. There's one God, the Father, from who are all things, and we exist for Him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, from whom are all things, and we exist through Him. We begin to get He begins to show the picture, the unfolding of the Trinity and understanding the Trinity to some degree. Acts 2.36, therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. They were convinced that Jesus was unique because he was not just a man, but because he was God. And what he accomplished as Messiah was not f- just physical, but it was spiritual and eternal it didn't just apply to jerusalem and the people of israel but it applied to all mankind and all of history and they began to understand the dynamics of what jesus did and so while all these other messianic groups faded away the jesus of nazarene movement has continued to grow by millions and millions of people every year whose lives are changed, transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what made all the difference. Every other group dispersed. And so, so, you know, people say, well, you know, they made this up. They made this up. James and John, the sons of thunder, the the arguers Peter the fishermen they came up with these complex theological truths that had eluded everybody else they came up with this truth that Jesus died on the cross for our sins that Jesus really did rise from the dead and that Jesus really is God and so because he's God what everything he accomplished had power and victory and he brought us the gospel that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life and it changed history amen amen Amen. let's stand together Let's just pray. Father, in Jesus' name, you're the God who changes history. You sent your son to change lives, he died for our sins, he rose again, his sacrifice was perfect because he was perfect, and it has the power to change us. Lord Jesus, we need you in our lives. We need your power in our lives to change us. We need your grace and mercy in our lives to help us through our failures and our sin. Jesus, you came to save sinners, as Paul said, of whom I am the chief. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did, O oh, great Messiah.